You guys might be right. Yeah, Brett Yormark might be listening and he might be making those phone calls. And I don't want to take all the credit for Iowa State Houston moving to Big Monday. But you know what? If you guys want to give us credit, we'll take some of the credit. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Welcome in. We cover the Big 12 Conference. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of the show. We appreciate you guys doing that. If you are on YouTube right now, hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe. Same thing on the podcast. Drop that five-star rating and review. So uh, I jump in here, and I'm seeing some of the comments before the show even starts, and you guys are quickly noting, Nate, Brett Yormark must have heard you last week and made some calls. Houston, Iowa State moved from ESPNU to ESPN, a big Monday tip-off at 8 o'clock Central Time. Well, listen, I know uh, plenty of folks in the Big 12 offices obviously consume our content, and if we help them you know, nudge a little bit and move the needle, happy to do it. I'm just looking out for this league. I'm just looking out for this conference. And now, coming up on Monday, we get the clash of all clashes. It is the best game in college football to or college basketball to this point. And that's Houston hosting Iowa State. It'll be a top 10 matchup. And first place in the Big 12 is going to be on the line on Monday night. Now, let's talk about how we got here. Go back to Saturday. Iowa State, let's start there. Took care of Texas Tech, 82-74. to Now, this game to me was all about turnovers. That's where Iowa State ultimately won this game. Now, they are dominant at Hilton. Hilton magic means even more this year. They're 15-0 and on their home court, Iowa State. I mean, it has been unbelievable. What You can't beat them in Ames. And, and hey, if you're an Iowa State fan, that's a testament to you and what you guys are doing there as well. You're making noise. They scored 28 points off of the Red Raiders, 16 turnovers in this game. That's how dominant Iowa State was, and that's ultimately – what led them to the win? I mean, yeah, you look at Keyshawn Gilbert, you see the 24 points, the eight boards, you see that kind of output, you're going to like the way things go for you if you're Iowa State. But the difference in this game was very simply 16 turnovers for Texas Tech, six for Iowa State, 28 Cyclones points. That's it right there. And once again, you've got a situation where an opposing head coach ends up getting a technical foul against Iowa State. And we saw it with Grant McCasland. And that's now, you know, you look at the coaches who have gotten technicals and or ejections against Iowa State. It's a lengthy list, right? You got Jerome Tang. You got Scott Drew. Um, you got Grant McCasland now. I'm trying to think. uh Bill Self, right? So you've got all these different coaches who are getting teed up while taking on Iowa State. And Grant McCaslin said, you know, I, I don't know anything about that, but he said they play really hard. They make it difficult on you as an offense to feel space, and you have to attack them. And that's what they want to play. That's what TJ Otzelberger wants to do. So credit to him and credit to this team for frustrating the heck out of their opponents. It's unbelievable. And now Iowa State is getting ready for this matchup in Houston. Of course, they beat Houston at home by four points back in early January. And now they've got to go on the road where, by the way, I'll, I'll pull it up here shortly. But Houston, I'm not sure Houston's lost a game at home this year either. 
So Iowa State gets itself a very good win over Texas Tech. Let's talk about Houston. They roll Texas 82-61 to in a game that was really never all that close. Um, when you look at Houston and what this team is, I said for the last couple of shows, if you've been listening, we are not talking enough about Houston. They come to the Big 12, and we think they're going to take a step back. Well, we are 10 days, 11 days away from March, and they're in first place. And if they beat Iowa State, they will have a solid lead for first place with just a few games left in conference play. I'm not sure any of us expected that. That's how good they've been. And Joe Lenardi, by the way, ESPN's Joey Brackets, also wrote his Bracketology on Friday, and he wrote about Houston. He said it's well past time for a word or two about Houston, Lenardi wrote. The Cougars' success under Kelvin Sampson has included a one-seed, a two-seed, a three-seed in the past five seasons. It also included a Final Four, an Elite Eight, and two Sweet Sixteens. But the joyride was supposed to end, or at least slow down, with this season's entry to the Big 12. Of course, it hasn't. They're sitting at 22-3. and Um, Their only losses at Kansas, Iowa State, and TCU, all NCAA tournament teams. And that's really what I've been saying for the last week. This Houston team, we are not giving them the props they deserve for just how dominant and how impressive they have been in year one in the Big 12. And when you get a season high from guys like LJ Cryer, who dropped 26 points, um, I, I, I mean, that's the kind of thing that is going to continue to propel Houston into that one seed, which is where they're locked into right now if the NCAA Tournament Selection Sunday was today. That's how good they've been. And they have won 19 straight home games. I mean, what more could you ask for if you're a Houston fan? That home field home court advantage is pretty darn good there for Houston. They beat Texas in the rebounding battle by 10. They forced 14 turnovers. They turned those into 19 points. And uh, basically, out of the gates, they had Texas, I don't want to say frozen, but dang. It, it was very obvious which one of these teams showed up to play and who was enthusiastic about this game and who actually wanted to be there, which you were not sure of when it came to the Longhorns at times. So they out them. And they outmuscled them, and they outrebounded them, and they turned those turnovers into points. That's what Houston does. The only thing that I could see being a possible issue for Houston come March Madness, we know that Big 12 referees have allowed these guys to play physical this year. It's been a complaint to many coaches. If Houston, in let's say a Sweet 16, draws an officiating crew, that is doing ticky-tack foul calls, that could be problematic for Kelvin Sampson's team come March Madness. I could see that being an issue. But outside of that, this team does have Final Four written all over it with the way it protects the ball, with the way it rebounds, and with the way it gets to the hoop. That's how good the Houston Cougars are. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Great to have you on board. Thanks for joining us as a part of the show. So uh, those two teams, of course, win their games. They get set for the big clash on Big Monday. Elsewhere around the Big 12, Kansas needed a second-half wake-up call to beat Oklahoma. That was looking dicey there for a little bit. I'm watching this game, and, you know, Oklahoma is 
taking care of business in that first half against KU. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't see that coming. Especially when it was announced that Kevin McCullough was going to come back. And as I put on the Heartland College Sports message boards, which you can sign up for free at heartlandcollegesports.com, join the conversation with other great Big 12 fans. I said the one game I liked on Saturday when it came to the spread was Kansas minus three and a half at OU. That was the only game that really stood out to me as one that was worth betting. So I did. And I put it up on the message boards. And after the first half, I'm like, come on, that was the one game I liked, especially after McCullough was announced back. I said, you know what? There's no way that a Bill Self team is going to get blown out by what? 25-30 on the road on Big Monday at Texas Tech and then come back and lay another egg at Oklahoma. A decent OU team, but an OU team, especially with McCuller back, that Kansas should beat. So then Kansas decided it was going to wake up in the second half. Uh, Hunter Dickinson was more or less unstoppable, 20 points and 16 boards. And McCuller, you know, had some key contributions in his return from his knee injury as well. He was back after missing a couple of games, and it's not going to let up the stat sheet, but 10 points, eight boards in 35 minutes of action is going to obviously be welcome for a KU team that does not have a lot of depth. But I look at Dewan Harris and his steady presence, his steady handling, his key buckets in that second half, um, that's what stands out to me when I look at this game and why Kansas wins it. You can point to Dickinson and the big numbers. You can point to McCullough coming back. But when you're on the road in that situation, in a conference game, trying to make a comeback, having a steady veteran running the point like Dewan Harris is exactly what you want. There was a three-pointer that stood out to me in the second half that he nailed as part of their comeback. And then another opportunity for him, I remember a right-handed layup from Harris. And it came as KU was making this comeback. And it was a classic situation where the OU defense assumes that Harris is looking for the kickout. So they don't really guard him down the lane. And he says, all right, boom, I'll take it. I'll lay this sucker up, and we'll be off to the races. And those two stand out to me, and that's why he's not going to be the guy that leads the headlines for Bill Self's team this year. And that's not who Dewan Harris is. But, man, he is incredibly underappreciated and undervalued, probably not by KU fans, but by casual college basketball fans who just watch Kansas and know about Dickinson and know about McCuller. But, man, Dewan Harris and, and guys like K.J. Adams, they've been around the block, and you know they know what they're doing. So uh, that was a good comeback victory for the Kansas Jayhawks there. Meantime, as we look around the rest of the league, TCU beating Kansas State on, it wasn't a buzzer beater, but, man, Jameer Nelson, hand in his face, Three-pointer from the left wing as you know, time basically expired. There was one second left to break a 72-all tie. TCU beats K-State, 75-72. to I mean, for a guy that shoots 25% from three-point range, that was damn impressive from Jameer Nelson, and that was his first three-pointer of the day. Oh, if you're a K-State fan and you get off to a hot start, you got a halftime lead against TCU. This was really a game that for both of these teams, more so for K-State, K-State needed this game more than TCU. A game that K-State needed to feel much better about its NCAA tournament chances. To be unable to close out this win at home, 
to allow TCU to go from scoring 24 points in the first half to 51 in the second half. They more than doubled their point total in the final 20 minutes versus the first 20 minutes. That's the kind of thing when you're at home in front of your crowd. and, And by the way, Tyler Perry had himself a good game. He had 18 points of his 24 in the second half. 10 free throws in that second half. I, Kansas State, I mean, like, you look at the box score, if you're just doing box score readings, you're probably saying, well, how does K-State not win this game? Shot better from the floor. I mean, they did all the things that you would want them to do. Turnovers were equal. I mean, they couldn't buy a bucket from deep. That's in large part part of the issue for Kansas State. They were 1 of 15 from three-point range. One of 15. That is just absolutely horrific. I'm not saying you got to shoot 40% from downtown, but one of 15, just stop shooting them. I mean, that's kind of the answer there for Kansas State. You make one or two of those, obviously this game is very different. And they were hitting their free throws. I mean, they were automatic from the line on Saturday, Kansas State. But they could not buy themselves a three-pointer, and it helped cost them that game. And now for Kansas State, you know, this is one of those teams that's on the bubble, Jerome Tang squad, after their incredible magical march run last year. But, you know, they have really struggled. They've lost six of seven games. And I said early on, I said, I'm not sure I'm buying Kansas State just yet. I got to see what they do against better competition. And now they've lost six of seven. They got to go to Texas this week. They're home to BYU, West Virginia, Cincinnati. That's the next four games for Kansas State before they close out with KU and Iowa State. So if you're K-State, you got to win three of these next four. If you win three of these next four, you're sitting at 8-8 eight and eight in league play with KU and Iowa State to end the season. If you split those, you go 9-9, nine and nine, suddenly Kansas State, is feeling okay about its NCAA tournament chances at uh, 500 in league play. I don't want to guarantee you it'll get them there, but if they finish 9-9 nine and nine and don't totally bomb out in the Big 12 tournament, they can do it. But winning three of these next four, a four-game sweep would be great. But at Texas, Texas actually better on the road than at home this year, it seems. BYU struggles more on the road. West Virginia is not good, and winning at Cincinnati is a tough environment, but if they can do it, man, it'll be a much better situation. But that one stings on Saturday against TCU, a TCU team that should feel good about its NCAA tournament chances right now. There's no doubt about that. So uh, that game, it was fun to watch, by the way, down the stretch. But if you're a Kansas State fan, that one uh, really hurts. And by the way, they struggled all season from three-point range. They are dead last in the Big 12 from downtown. They don't have anyone who can buy them a three. Uh, Next up, let's dive into this Cincinnati-UCF game. Cincinnati was squarely on that bubble. Joe Lenardi has had him in that first four out for the better part of a couple of weeks, it seems like. Cincinnati should be off that bubble. UCF's good. Like They're 4-8 in league play, but man, they play everybody tough, it feels like. And Cincinnati, you know, had to hang on late after having a solid early lead. But still, this is a you go on the road in this league and you win. 
that's got to be worth something. Cincinnati's a tournament team. There's no doubt in my mind. And um, you look at Saturday, a team that led by 14 points early in the second half. UCF then makes a big run. That's what always happens in this conference, it seems like. Someone's going to make a run. It's a matter of when and if you're ready for it. And UCF made its run. Cincinnati's able to hang on late with a key layup with, what, 10 seconds to go? And the Bearcats are able to escape Orlando with a victory. And that's exactly what you want to have happen. You build an early lead. Okay, fine. You're going to be kicking yourself for letting UCF back into it. But you got out of there with a win. And you should not beat yourself up over any road win in this conference, no matter how it comes. I do not care. You get one. You run with it. And you got to feel like things are going to uh, continue to improve for you. And that's where Cincinnati should be right now. But man, Cincinnati's going to cost itself potentially a couple of games down the stretch with their just horrific free throw shooting. It is not good. And it didn't cost them in this game, but it could have cost them in this game. Cincinnati would look back at this game and said, we really shot like 60% from the free throw line. That is just brutal. But here's the thing. You look at Cincinnati's schedule. Oklahoma State this week at TCU. Got to split those. You go to Houston. You have a huge opportunity next week. Home to K-State the following Saturday at OU versus West Virginia. Cincinnati splits those games. Three and three down the stretch. Uh, I, I think they're probably in. I say I think they're probably in. But here's the thing. If they go 3-3 three and three down the stretch, that would put them at 8-10 and 10 in league play. I'm not sure that'll be enough. But it should be enough in this conference. So we'll just have to see. But, you know, if they get a win over Houston, that's obviously enormous. But they may need to win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament to really feel good about things. And, and UCF, uh, I hate to say it for UCF fans because I think they've got a good team. But they are fading fast. They've lost five of the last six games. They go to West Virginia. They're home to Texas Tech at Oklahoma State over the next three. So uh, they've got to pick up two of those next three at the very least to feel like they're back in the conversation here in the Big 12 Conference. Okay, uh, BYU goes on the road and loses to Oklahoma State by a final of 93-83. to Where has this Oklahoma State team been all year? Keller, the freshman, had himself 22 points in his first career start. (laughs) Garrison tossed in 21. The Cowboys couldn't miss from downtown. They finished 11-22, but I'm pretty confident at some point, I mean, they were well above 50% earlier in this game. I mean, they were just on fire. While BYU, you know, it doesn't look as bad when you look at the box score. You'll see that BYU shot 8 of 35 from downtown. That's 23%. This is a team that makes about 11, 12 three-pointers a game. But at one point, BYU is shooting 13% from three. I mean, that's, that's how ugly it was for this team at one point. So we know that BYU has been reliant on the three. I thought they had gotten a little bit less reliant on the three over the last couple of weeks or so once they got uh, Traore back. But, man, they were just bombs away, and nothing was going down for them. Nothing at all. 
and that snaps a two-game winning streak for BYU against Kansas State and UCF. But, man, they go on the road, and they just um, they struggle. I know they have some long road trips now in the Big 12, but they are a very different team on the road versus at home for the Cougars. And for Oklahoma State, I mean, this is it's exactly what you want to see. It's not a team that's going to the NCAA tournament. We know that. They're 3-9 and nine in league play. But still, you want to feel like going into next year, which will probably be a do-or-die year for Mike Boynton, that you've got something to build on and that there's you know, progress being made here down the stretch of the season. And that's exactly what I'm seeing from Oklahoma State. You, know, you saw it last week when they almost pulled off the upset against Oklahoma. So the Cowboys uh, continue to gain some confidence. You're seeing that happen night in, night out. And in many ways, you know, they've been without Bryce Thompson for the last several games since he suffered a season-ending injury in late January. And you wonder if in many ways, while you never want to see a guy get injured, that can be good for the younger players on this team to build that confidence and to set them up for next year because it probably is going to be a win or get fired year for Mike Boynton. And frankly, you know, he's been given a lot of time and next year probably should be a fire, um, a win or get fired year for Mike Boynton. And then last but not least, Baylor takes care of West Virginia, 94 to 81 in a fairly ho-hum game. Um, This was a game that kind of went the way many of us expected. I thought about Baylor minus seven, and then I said, you know, West Virginia's been pretty good at home. I'm not sure I want to go down that road right now. So I ultimately stayed away from it, Um, which, you know, obviously hindsight's 20-20. But Baylor surged ahead early, um, and they really never looked back in a game that it became very evident early on that Baylor was going to win this game. They had 12 players, excuse me, six players in double figures as the uh, 12th-ranked Bears took care of West Virginia 94-81. to And uh, Baylor right now is in third place in this league, a game behind co-leaders Houston and Iowa State. So that's, you know, Baylor, when you really look at it, sitting there at 8-4 and four in the league, quietly continuing to climb these standings and alone in third place in the Big 12. After they had that three-game losing streak earlier in the season, they lost at K-State, at Texas, home to TCU. And they got booed off the court after the loss to TCU in that triple overtime game. They have now won five of their last six. And by the way, impressive wins. Three of those ranked wins. Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and now on the road at West Virginia. But they've got a couple of big ones coming up. They go to BYU this week. That's coming up on Tuesday. And then home to Houston. That is going to be next Sunday, uh, Saturday. Excuse me. That's 11 a.m. on CBS. So BYU and Houston this week. So we'll get a feel. I mean, depending on what happens on Big Monday, Baylor could be in first place in the Big 12 a week from today. And that is something after a three-game losing streak last month, nobody would have predicted. It's been that kind of year in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. If you are on YouTube right now, would you hit that thumbs up button for me? Would you guys do that? We'd appreciate you. And um, subscribe to the channel as well. That way you never miss a show. We're always here. We're always talking Big 12. And on the podcast, drop that five-star rating and review. 
and we'll get you hooked up with a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. You guys are fired up on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. I love it. I love it. Some of you are already talking about where your team's going to be going to the tournament. Let's relax. All right, let's get through the rest of the regular season. Um, let's see where this all plays out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I just can't wait for Big Monday, man. That is going to be so lights out. Uh, Nate asks, am I being too hateful if I want OU and Texas to get bounced early in the Big 12 tournament, but both make the NCAA tournament? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I would understand if you're a Big 12 fan sans OU Texas and you want to see him bounced early from the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, you know, Texas, I, like they're both tournament teams, but uh, Texas just feels like a team that's fading and, and fading fast in some ways. I'm not sure I'd be putting my money on UT making the tournament right now. It's just very much up and down. They've got K-State. I mean, here's the thing. Texas K-State, that's also coming up on Monday. I wish these games weren't both on Monday. But Texas K-State, which was the big Monday game, it got bounced. It got moved to ESPN2. Houston and uh, Iowa State is going to be the main ESPN game. That Texas-Kansas State game could be a game we look back on and say the winner of that game got into the Big 12 or got into the NCAA tournament. The loser did not. It's entirely possible because they're both five and seven in league play. Whoever loses that game is going to be five and eight in the conference and could spiral from there. Because for Texas, they've got the two Kansas schools this week. They have Kansas State at home, at Kansas, at Texas Tech. You know that Lubbock is going to be on fire. Then they host Oklahoma State and they go to Baylor and then home to Oklahoma to wrap the season. I mean, that is a tough six-game stretch to end the season here for Texas. And if they lose to K-State on Monday, we may be talking about them being on the outside looking in. That's entirely possible. Uh, Allen says, my Jayhawks don't have enough depth to go far this year. Well, what does far mean? Kansas can make a Final Four with this team. I mean, it looks like UConn's the best team in the country right now, but you know as well as I do, you've watched this tournament long enough to know it is a total crapshoot come March. And you've got a Kansas team that is veteran. You've got a veteran point guard. You've got a stud big man down low. Yeah, you'd like a little more depth. I I get it. And it does feel like this team has moments where it just falls asleep. But this is a Kansas team that can make a Final Four. Like... There's no doubt in my mind, not saying they will right now. I want to see how the next couple of weeks play out, but they can absolutely make a Final Four. I don't think that's controversial at all. You can make the case for a lot of teams in this conference, potentially finding itself in a Final Four, at the very least finding itself in an Elite Eight. I don't want to overdo it or overstate it, but it's 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 entirely possible they can do that. No doubt in my mind. So... <laughs> Andrew asking, where did the Oklahoma State performance come from? Blue BYU out. Andrew, you're seeing some young guys start to come together. 
and uh, BYU could not buy a bucket from downtown. Well, Oklahoma State shot 50% and could not miss. It's really that simple. I, I agree, though. I did not see that one coming, even though I knew BYU was going to struggle more on the road um, you know, and just be a different team on the road, it seems like, than it is at home. Thank you guys for being here, for joining us. Subscribe, rate, review, leave comments, leave thumbs up. It helps this show more than you realize. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. Go Big 12. I'm Pete Mundo on heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll talk to you later.